Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. In the New Living Translation, it says this, anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Father, I pray that you would add your uh, anointing to the hearing and the preaching the teaching of your word, and most importantly, God, to the doing of your word. Because, Lord, we know that we are wasting our time and our efforts and our energy if we only hear but never put into practice what it is that you say. I pray, God, that you would be with us during this time in your word together, that you would speak to us in a very personal way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The vision of our church here at Covenant Life uh, says that we believe we are most effective at making disciples when we are real and relational and reaching. So I'm just going to be real this morning with you in hopes that it helps to build some relationships uh, with all of you and in hopes that it will reach some people who are searching for some solid ground. Craig Rochelle, uh, who is a pastor that has taught me a ton about leadership, says that we impress each other with our strengths, but we connect with each other through our weaknesses. Uh, and I hope that's true because it's about to get real up in here. Let me, uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you what I mean. There were a couple of moments this week that I felt like I was going to lose my mind. I don't know about y'all. I don't know if this, is, if this has affected you in that way. But there were a couple of moments where Valerie had to help me get myself together. Um, the world changed seemingly overnight. Last week, I made the decision to close down our campus and, and our services for, for two weeks. And churches and pastors and businesses were struggling with what it might look like if we were closed for, for two weeks. Now I think we'd all be overjoyed if it were only for two weeks. We're, we're wondering what it might look like to be closed for two months. What, what if the kids don't go back to school? until August? What if we can't have church in person together on Easter? What if we still can't have church together on Mother's Day? What's going to happen to our economy in this country? What's going to happen to our friends and to our families? And, and I'm just going to tell you, 
following that train of thought will spiral you out of control in a hurry. They say that crisis doesn't create character, it reveals character. It reveals the foundations of your life. It reveals personality. Now, my personality is built on creating safety and security around me and the people that I care about. Uh, if you're into the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram six, a nine, but under stress, I'm a six. On the on the disc on the disc the disc disc test, I'm I'm an S. Is that I am predictable and even keeled. That I build consensus. I keep everybody together. I solve problems. My strengths finder is that I help to create uh, order out of chaos. I help make sense out of things. That's how I'm wired. That's how I'm built. That's how I create peace and calm in my life and in my family. But if I'm being honest, there were a few moments in this last week when that just wasn't working anymore. My anxiety shot through the roof. I kept working harder and harder. I kept asking question after question in pursuit of an answer that I hoped would make everybody feel better, feel more prepared for what lies ahead. But with every question that I asked, it led to another question, all of which were unanswered in that moment. My coping mechanism was not helping me cope. You have a coping mechanism too. Some of you are people people, and being quarantined is really difficult for you. The, a lot of you are the life of the party. You're the happy-go-lucky, don't worry, be happy kind of people. And, and I suspect you've been trying to do that this week with maybe some mixed results because there's a time and a place for everything, and, and, and sometimes that kind of response is just out of place. Some of you are workaholics. So you've cleaned and sanitized your house twice. You've organized the closets and the kitchen cabinets. You cleaned out the junk drawer in the kitchen. And you know good and well it's going to be full of junk again in 10 days. But you did it anyway because it's your coping mechanism. Some of you are bossy. Sir, don't look at your wife like that. I know we're not all together, but we can still see you and you're still in trouble, all right? Some people are just bossy. You bark orders, you issue directives, you're sure of yourself, and, and you always know what to do. So you have ordered your family not to get sick, and you have ordered them not to panic, and you have given them the plan, and you expect them to follow the plan, and everything's gonna be okay. Some of you are analyzers, some of you are criticizers, and there are more, but I think you get the point. If you're anything like me, you have discovered in this crisis that your natural coping mechanisms are not working. You can feel the anxiety building. You, you can feel the stress and the frustration and the worry. And you can tell that even if you're holding it together right now, that as this crisis, this crisis deepens, you may not be able to hold it together for much longer. Listen to me. Your natural coping mechanism is sinking sand. It's sinking sand. It, it ha it's a foundation that the wind and the torrential rain of this pandemic has revealed to be worthless. 
Your life has got to be built on something stronger, on something deeper, on something more solid, something that's not going to wash away or move during storms like these. And in the verses that we just read, Jesus tells us what that is, and it's him. He is our solid rock. He is our firm foundation. See, working harder is fruitless. Ignoring the facts is reckless. Self-assurance is arrogance. And analysis is futile. The only thing that will help us in this storm is if we will anchor ourselves to Jesus Christ, to his teachings, and to his spirit. The old hymn declares it, and it has never been more appropriate than right now. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. You see, I was raised in a little Baptist church down in South Carroll County, Happy Hill Baptist Church. And we sang out of a hymn book every week with my daddy leading the singing. And at least once a month, we sang the song, Standing on the Promises. Y'all remember that song? You really begin, I'm not sure when I was nine that I got it. You, you really begin to understand the depth and the truth of that song when you start facing the storms of life. Because in those times, the only thing that we can count on, the only things that we can stand on are the promises of God. So what are the promises of God that helped me in my life this week and, and, and I hope will help all of us in the coming weeks? Well, I want to talk about three of those promises today. But before I do that, I want to speak to, uh, I want to, speak to the people who may be joining us today who don't know the God of the Bible who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. You don't understand why a promise written on a scroll 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago could, could mean anything to us today. You don't understand why a promise could be the foundation of your life. So let me try to explain it to you. A promise is only as good as the integrity and the resources of the person making the promise. You can't separate the promise from the promiser. If that person who made the promise has no intention or no ability to fulfill the promise, then the promise is worthless. Here's the good news today. We have no such concern with the promises of Jesus. You say, but I've never read where Jesus said, I promise, and you would be correct because Jesus doesn't have to say, I promise, because in Matthew 7, 37, Jesus said, listen, you just need to let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, because promising and swearing are for people who might be lying at other times. Jesus doesn't have to do that. Everything that comes out of the mouth of Jesus is truth because he is the truth. By definition, the truth cannot lie. Hebrews 6 and 18 says it's impossible for God to lie. So everything that Jesus says is the truth and everything he says he will do, you can rest assured he's going to do it. And throughout the ages of human history, he has never failed yet. So what are the promises that we can build our lives on? 
Well, these are three red letter promises right out of the mouth of Jesus. This message is a continuation of our series called the Red Letter Living Series. And today's message is called Jesus Promises. Jesus Promises. Here's the first promise of Jesus today. Jesus promises his presence. Jesus promises his presence. I want to read you three passages of scripture. The first is the red letter promise in Matthew 28 and verse 20. Jesus, as at the end of, of giving us the Great Commission, says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I am always with you, even to the end of the age. This is how I said it in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. The writer of Hebrews says, don't, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Why? Because God has said, I'll never fail you and I will never abandon you. Psalm 46 and verse 1 in the King James says this, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in times of trouble. Jesus said he would always be there, always present when trouble arises. If you are a believer, if you are building your life on the promises of God, then you can rest assured that Jesus is with you in the midst of this pandemic. He is there. He's there. Now, if that sounds like a weak promise, then you don't understand the power of presence. You don't understand a God who is fully present in every moment. You don't understand what it means when he says he is there. Listen, when God is there, he's there in full power. There's no light version. There's no diet version. There's no stripped down version. There's no economy version of God. He always comes fully loaded and fully charged and fully focused on you. His eternal nature and his complete integrity means that if he has ever been something, he still is. So if he was ever the Red Sea splitter, he still is. If he was ever the fourth man in the fire, he still is. If he was ever the stopper of the sun's cycle, he still is. If he was ever the creator of the universe, he still is. So you are not alone in this crisis. He is there standing right beside you, living inside of you through the Holy Spirit is our healer, is our provider, is our protector, is our banner of victory, is the one who claims us as his own. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the gateway to God. He is the intercessor before the throne. When he says he will be there, he is there to defend you and to love you and to walk beside you on any road that you might be on and prepare you for any destination. He is your refuge. He is your strength. 
He's your strong tower. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He is your, he, he is everything that you need. When he said, I will be with you, that wasn't tied to a geographical location. You don't have to come to a temple. You don't have to come to a church. You don't have to come to a specific place and time and event. His promise was for every point in time, every season of life, every moment that we face uncertain times, he will be there. And as a matter of fact, because he can't be bound by space and time, he is already in our tomorrow, preparing us for what lies ahead and waiting for us to get there so that he can show us the way of escape that he has prepared for every situation. Build your life on the promise that no matter what we face, we will never face it alone. Jesus is always with us. It is the promise of his presence. Can you say amen wherever you are right now? Amen. Here's the second promise of Jesus. Jesus promises his power. Jesus promises his power. I want to show this to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Paul, the apostle, is praying about a particular situation that's troubling him in his life. And, and, and Paul says, each time he said, Jesus said, and these are the words in red, my grace is all you need. The King James says, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he said, my power works best in weakness. So now Paul said, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. These are the words that Jesus spoke to the Apostle Paul in a time of need in his life, and these are the words that rang out to me in my time of need this week. My grace is sufficient for you. You see, some of my anxiety in these uncertain times is coming from the fact that I want answers to questions that haven't even been asked yet. I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow so I can prepare myself and prepare my family and prepare my church for what lies ahead. And it was driving me nuts that my questions were not just unknown, but unknowable. See, we've got no clue what tomorrow holds. Two weeks ago, most of us could never have imagined the world that we're living in right now. But Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, tomorrow has enough trouble for itself. My grace is all you need. Now, what's grace? Grace is power. Grace is power. It's the power of God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So when Jesus promises his grace, he's promising his power. See, I was tagged in this thing on Facebook this week that said, pray for your pastor. He's never pastored in a pandemic before. And goodness, isn't that the truth? 
And all of us are trying to figure this out sort of one moment at a time. So the, the question that's been, that's been haunting me is how in the world do you pastor people you can't get around? Like how do you pastor a group of people when we're scattered to the four corners of the earth? I did a funeral Friday and I walked into a group of people who needed to be comforted and needed to be ministered to and needed to be supported. And some of them wanted a hug or a handshake or a comforting hand on their shoulder. And some of them wanted me to stay 10 feet away from them. And it was impossible to tell the difference in who was who. Everything in my world, everything in your world has changed. And I want to be prepared for it but it seems to be more and more impossible to do that. That's when this promise of God came ringing in my ears. My grace, my power is all you need. See, you, he, he said, John, you want to be prepared, but you can't. You can't know what's happening. You can't know what's next, but I do and since I have promised to always be there, just trust that I am always prepared. So lean into me. My power, the word says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My wisdom, I heard the Lord say, is made perfect in your ignorance. My words are made perfect when you're speechless or when you're clueless. Just trust me to give you the answer when the questions get asked. When the issues present themselves, trust me for the solution. So I can stand here flat-footed today and tell you I've got no idea what tomorrow holds. I've got no idea what the future looks like. And guess what? Neither do you. We don't know what challenges we're going to face. We don't know what the future's going to hold. But we as believers have the assurance that no matter what it is, the grace of Jesus will do in us and through us and for us what we can't do for ourselves. We will get through it. We'll get through it with Jesus beside us and we'll get through it because Jesus has promised us his power. Now here's the last of the promises that I want us to talk about today. Jesus promised us his presence. He promised us his power and Jesus promises us his peace. He promises us his peace. I want to show this to you also in three different places. John 14 and 27. Here's the red letter version. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has already done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds or surpasses anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart 
and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you only pay attention to the facts, if you only pay attention to the constant barrage of news, it's easy to get your feet in the sand. It's easy to let your mind race and wander because all of that information, even if everything you read is true, will lock up your mind to the point that you can't think of anything else. You will believe that your world is crumbling around you and you'll find no evidence to prove otherwise. But Jesus promises his peace. It's not a peace that you can find in this world. Jesus said he was giving us a different kind of peace. He said his peace is a gift. His peace is a guard to guard our hearts and our minds. He, his peace has the power to rule our hearts. See, the world's peace is, uh, is a, based on a logical thought pattern that gives us reasonable assurance that everything will be okay. But in Philippians, Paul says the peace that Jesus offers to us is not dependent upon circumstances. It's not dependent upon projections or forecasts. It exceeds or surpasses our understanding. In other words, everything may appear to be crumbling down around us, but the peace of Christ will protect our hearts and our minds and keep us from descending into despair if we will keep our minds fixed on him. You see, this peace doesn't deny the facts. His peace simply supersedes those facts. When there's no other explanation for peace, when there's no other cause for peace, when there's no other source for peace, Jesus says, I am your peace. It allows us, his peace allows us to believe in two simple but wonderful words from scripture, but God, but God. These facts might be true, but God has the final word. The worst might happen, so be it, but God will have his will and his way in my life because I'm committed to him. Coronavirus, but God, right? Failing economy, but God. Can't have church in the same room, but God, the peace that Jesus gives is rooted in neither fear nor foolishness. Here's what I mean. On the one hand, you've got people who are, who are trying to find peace in the fact that they are following every precaution from the CDC and the FBI and the CIA and every other government organization they can, they can come up with. They're following every precaution to the letter. They hadn't opened the door of their house in two weeks. They got 643 rolls of toilet paper. They got 87 packs of Clorox wipes. Somebody sneezes on the sidewalk in front of their house and they get a Lysol bomb delivered by RPG right in the nostrils. I mean, that's a person who's trying to find peace, but it's rooted in fear. Now, on the other hand, you've got people who believe that for some reason, followers of Jesus can't catch a virus. 
That's a false sense of peace that's rooted in foolishness. Listen, you go to Walmart and lick the buggies, you getting something. It might not be coronavirus, but you getting something. It, it, believers live in the same world that everybody else lives in. We should take precautions. We should be wise. But the evidence of our faith is not foolishness and it's not fear. The evidence of our faith is peace. It's peace. It's the calm assurance that we are in the palm of our Lord's hands. Didn't we sing it when we were kids? Maybe you didn't sing. Maybe you're not old enough to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me in his hands. Our peace comes from the fact that whatever happens around us or to us, we will not be afraid. We will not fear. We will not panic. We will not live in anxiety because the peace of Jesus is a firm foundation that will stand against this and every other storm that we will ever face. It's a promise that you can build your life upon. Jesus promises his peace to his people. So walk in it. Stand on it. Don't accept anything less. Let it guard your heart. Let it guard your mind today and in the days ahead. Now, let me close with this. I was walking around outside this week and praying, um, and I noticed nestled in, in one of our little fruit trees that we've got in the yard was a tiny little bird nest. And, and it occurred to me, now I don't know if there's any eggs, I don't know if there's any birds in it, but it occurred to me as I was looking at it, you know what, those birds have no idea the world is facing a pandemic. You know, they, they're not even thinking about it. it they, they don't know. It's business as usual for them. And it reminded me that Jesus told us to stop and consider the sparrows. And he, he said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said they don't have jobs. They don't have savings accounts. They don't have cabinets or pantries to put stuff in. And yet these little dudes eat and sing their way through every day of their lives, not worrying about a thing. Why? Because God takes care of the sparrows. And the point that Jesus was trying to make, and he said this in his word, is this. If God is that concerned about these tiny little birds, if he's that concerned and involved in the life of a sparrow, how much more concerned and involved is he in the lives of the people that he gave his life for? There's a storm raging around us. There's no denying that. But we can build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ and on his promises those promises are sure. Those promises are solid. Those promises are secure. I am happy to report to you, I am no longer on the verge of losing my mind, at least not any closer than I ever am. I hope you can stay the same. I am standing, moment by moment, on the promises of God. And I can't tell you what the world is going to look like tomorrow. 
I can only tell you that whatever we face, we will face it with the peace of Jesus around us, with the presence of Jesus beside us, with the power of Jesus within us. And I know that because Jesus promises. Let's pray together today. Father, I know that uh, I am not the only one who had a few moments of weakness, a few moments where I could be like the man told you that's recorded in your Gospels. Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Because no matter how much we know you and love you, there are moments of our lives when that faith is tried and tested. I thank you, Lord, that you never judge us, you're never disappointed in us when we do that, but, but Lord, your arms are always open to bring us to your side and to reassure us with your promises that you will always be there, that your presence and your power and your peace are available to us. And it's not just a concept that's written in an archaic book whose authors have all long since passed. Those promises are true. They are alive. They are well. They are living. They are breathing in the person of Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, I pray for every person who has been struggling or who is struggling this morning. It is an uncertain world that we live in, but God, I pray that you administer your presence to them. I pray that right now, wherever they are, whether they're watching us live right now in this moment or whether they're watching us uh, recorded in whatever moment, in whatever situation they're in, I pray, God, that you would manifest your presence to them. Let them know you're there. Wrap your arms around them, God, and help them to know and recognize your presence. Lord, I pray for the person who is in a leadership position, who is either a, maybe they're just, they're a mom or a dad whose kids are looking to them. Maybe they're, uh, they have leadership responsibilities at work or, or in ministry or in a nonprofit or in any other organization. Lord, who are, maybe they're in government and they're struggling to know what to do. They're struggling to have answers to questions that haven't even been asked. I pray, Lord, that you would manifest your, your power to them. Help them to know that, that if they're believers, if they're, if they're uh, anchored to the rock, Christ Jesus, that you are their power, that your grace is sufficient for them, and that as they lean on you and not to their own understanding, that you will give them your wisdom, you will show them your ways, and they'll know what to do in the moment that they need it. And God, for every person who just needs some peace today, who, who is just tired from the strain, from the stress of the constant stream of bad news. Would you renew our spirits today, Lord? Would you renew our minds and our hearts? I pray that we just be still and receive your peace right now to know that you're with us in power, that you are with us in your presence, that you are with us with peace, that you can still say, peace, be still. In every storm, sometimes the storms on the outside of us and sometimes the storms 
on the inside. But no matter what, you're with us every step of the way. God, I pray for those who are on the front lines of this thing. Lord, those who don't have the luxury of quarantining themselves at home. Lord, for our first responders, for our medical community, for those whose businesses are considered to to be vital to the well-being of our community, I pray, God, that you would be with them, that you would protect them. Lord, that you would put a hedge of safety around them and around their families because they're concerned that they're going to bring it home to them. Lord, we just pray with your strong right hand, with the healing power that that we know that you have. We pray, God, that you would heal those who are sick, that you would protect those who are not, and that you would bring to to a swift close this pandemic that swept the globe. God, we just, we love you. We believe in you. We thank you for every good and perfect gift and every promise that is yes and amen. And finally, Lord, for the person who is watching this or and maybe they're watching many, many different ministries today because they are searching for something, I pray that you would manifest yourself to them. God, help them to see that Jesus is not just something, he's everything everything they've been looking for, everything they need. And I pray, God, that they would, that their eyes would be open and they would see their spiritual condition. They would see their need, not just for peace, not just for a savior from, from this physical threat that we're facing, but that they recognize their need for a savior from the sin that they have in their hearts and their lives. Help them to recognize that they, like every one of us, were, were born sinners, and they are in need of a Savior. Help them, Lord, to accept the sacrifice that you gave us on the cross when you laid your life down, the innocent one for the guilty ones. You shed your blood to wash away our sins. I pray, God, for every person right now who doesn't know you, that they would receive your sacrifice, receive your substitution for them, receive your forgiveness and that as they repent, as they confess that they're sinners, as they confess that their lives don't measure up to your holy standard, as they determine in their hearts that they're going to turn their lives around and follow completely after you and your word. Lord, would you forgive them? Would you wash them clean from their sins, set them on a new path. And Lord, I pray that right now they recognize, they sense, they know, they feel, and they have the faith to believe that their sins are washed away and they have begun a new relationship, a new life with you. God, we love you. We thank you for so great a salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. 
That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.